Hey everyone, this is a special episode recorded by myself and Daniel Bobinski of True Idaho News. Not part of our regular lineup, but an important message and we wanted to share it. So stick around, listen. Welcome to Keep the Republic with Dr. Daniel Bobinski, editor of True Idaho News. Keep the Republic is brought to you by the Political Action Committee Conservatives of and Carmen Glancy with Homes of Idaho Real Estate. And now, here's Daniel. Hello and welcome to Keep the Republic. Dr. Daniel Bobinski here, your host for the next half an hour. We're talking Constitution today. Got a great guest in studio, but before we get to that, I want to remind you that our show is sponsored by a couple of folks. One, Carmen Glancy with Homes of Idaho Real Estate. If you're looking for a house, you're looking to move, you want a horse property, you want a residential property, you want a commercial property, contact Carmen Glancy at 208-559-7753. Grab a pen, I'm going to say that number in a second, but before I do, I need to read you a quote from, from one of Carmen's customers. This was posted online. Carmen was the best real estate agent I ever could have hoped for. Carmen helped me expertly navigate some of the challenges that came up during the home buying process. I really appreciate the way she handled some difficult conversations and worked to bring the deal in the end to the most serendipitous way. I highly recommend Carmen Glancy. And because she sponsors this show, I'm going to encourage you to check her out. Again, the phone number 208 559 77 Our show is also sponsored by Conservatives of Political Action Committee that helps get conservative Christians elected. We would encourage you to go there and donate to help them identify and help, like I said, constitutional Christians get elected to office. That's what they do. You can find them by going to conservativesof.com. Conservativesof.com. When you donate, You can put an earmark to the donation if you've got a specific candidate, or you can even uh, specify the region you'd like to help out. Again, conservativesof.com. We thank our sponsors so much for helping keep us on the air. In our studio today, Mr. Paul Engel from the Constitution Study. Paul, welcome to Keep the Republic. Thanks, Daniel. It's wonderful to be here. It's actually my first time in Idaho. Well, it's great to have you here. You, now, this past week, you did a, a workshop in Idaho Falls talking about the Constitution. When you do these classes, what are they like? Well, I have a, a much more informal process. There are no slides. This year, I'm talking about the blessings of liberty. What is it? How did we lose it? How do we get it back? And uh, I always leave time at the end for questions because always people have questions. But I'm trying to explain these constitutional topics so a 21st century farmer could understand it. You know, the Constitution was written so an 18th century farmer could understand it. I figure a 21st century farmer ought to be able to understand it as well. Amen to that, yeah. Well, you know, uh, those who listen to this show on a regular basis know that I'm a strong advocate of following the Constitution. I uh, did not come upon a good study of the Constitution for a long time. And in talking, you've, you've been on my podcast before, on the True Idaho News podcast, uh, so it's, it's great to have you in studio. But uh, I, we both kind of have the same kind of background with this. I, like you, didn't find the Constitution very interesting when I was in high school. It wasn't taught well. And it wasn't until much later in life that I go, oh, there's some really good nuggets here. <laughs> Tell us you about know, how you stumbled upon this. Well, for me, it wasn't really taught at all. We were taught about the Constitution. 
We were told about, you know, 1776 was the declaration, 1787 was the, the, the Constitution was written, uh, and, you know, we had George Washington, but we weren't really taught what was inside it. Right. So, like most uh, people who go to a, a government-run school, I thought it was for lawyers, judges, certainly not for the average person. Mm -hmm. So I never read it. And then I stumbled across a historian who actually didn't put me to sleep, which was unique. Uh, I started listening to him, and he gave me a quote from John Jay. Now, for those of you listeners not familiar with that name, because it isn't talked about a lot in school, uh, he helped negotiate and sign the Treaty of Paris to end the Revolutionary War. He wrote several of the Federalist Papers, and he was our first Chief Justice of the United States. He said that every member of the state ought diligently to read and to study the Constitution of his country and teach the rising generation to be free. By knowing your rights, you'll sooner perceive when they are violated be the better prepared to defend and assert them. Well, I, I'm going to jump in. Yeah. You gave that quote on the podcast when you were on my podcast. Yes. And I, I know of John Jay. Mm -hmm. I've read of John Jay. I knew who he was and I knew his importance to our founding. I had never heard that quote before. And, yeah. and what, what, what was so profound to me was that he said, you will better, sooner, uh, better know your rights and sooner perceive when they are violated. Not if, mm -hmm. but when. In other words, he, the first chief justice, knew that our rights would be violated. Well, we're human. We're, we're fallen. We're flawed. We're going to make mistakes. Human nature. We have three branches of government because our framers knew that a centralized power leads to uh, tyranny. Yes. So you break up the power so that the forces can balance off of each other. It was never a question of if, but it was a question of when. And as you read the Constitution, or at least as I read the Constitution, I started to see how many uh, little tripwires, how many things they put in place, uh, not to tell you how to do things, but to say, no, this is something this government isn't allowed to do. This is something that this government isn't allowed to do. And Knowing that sooner or later people would uh, would trip over that, uh, <laughs> they they recognize the Constitution is ink on parchment. It, it's, I keep saying it's not going to get up and start dope slapping the people when they're not paying attention. It's a tool for us to use. And like any tool, if you just let it sit in the dirt and rust, it's not very effective. But when you pick it up and you learn to use it, that's when you can build things. Yeah. I love the fact that you point out that, you know, this was written in the language that every, every person could understand. And I think it's been a big lie that's been told so many people in this country that you need to go to law school to be able to understand the Constitution. That's not the way it was written. No. Now, I will admit some of the words are spelt funny. And there's one clause in there. It's kind of like a triple negative. It took me forever to get my head wrapped around it. But the rest of it is plain English the way we use it today. Um, you know, it was designed so an 18th century farmer could understand it. Why not a 21st century one? Yeah. Uh, because uh, you understand the, the subtitle of my book is returning the Constitution to we the people. Hmm. See, the very first, the first three words of the preamble are we the people. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that. Yes. The last words are do ordain and establish this Constitution. We did this. That's why the subtitle of my book is Re Restoring the Constitution to We the People. Mm, but you I talk like about you know, being a lawyer. I've asked lawyers for three and a half years, 
when you were in law school, did you study the Constitution or constitutional law? One man has told me they studied the Constitution. Everyone else is studying the opinion of judges, which is why they have no clue what, what the Constitution actually says. Mm-hmm. It gets very interesting when you stand up and you say, no, here's the quote. Here's my little copy. Here's the quote. Um, it doesn't mean what you said it means. It means what this actually says. Yeah. I remember talking to a law student back in the 1980s. A friend of mine was going to law school. And she said as she went through it, she was a devout Christian and a, a student of the Constitution. She was mm-hmm. well read in it. And she was shocked uh, to find out how much power is placed in case law. And you take a look at case law where a judge decides something and then future cases are decided based on what that judge decided to save time. That's what Mm -hmm. they tell us. That's the benefit quote of case law. When in fact, if you get some guy who's not a Christian, who doesn't understand the meaning of the original intent of the words in the Constitution, and he decides some case based on his own opinion, suddenly that becomes case law. And now we have bad decisions being made upon bad decisions. Well, it's interesting. It's like a giant game of telephone. And we forget Reagan's admonition. Trust, but verify. Just because some judge says that the Constitution means this doesn't mean it's true. And what's interesting is we keep referring it to case law. And as a form of common law, sort of, kind of, but Article 1, Section 8, I'm sorry, Article 1, Section 1, Clause 1 states that all legislative power is vested in a Congress. And if you look up the word legislative, I use Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary because he was a contemporary. Excellent. Yes, he was. Legislative means lawmaking power. So all lawmaking power is vested not in the Supreme Court, but in Congress. Mm -hmm. Now, precedent, you're right, it does have its values as a way of seeing other points of view looking at, an, at a case from multiple viewpoints. But you got to go back to the original document. I, I, one of my, my go-to verses, my, if, I, if I have a life verse, it's Acts 17, chap, uh, chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. The story of the Bereans. Verse 11 says, The Bereans were more noble, more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, and that they listened to what was said and went back to Scripture daily to see if it was so. Amen. So that's what I did. Is I, I, I heard a lot of people talk about the Constitution. I go back to the document to see if it's so. And that has been an amazing, eye-opening experience, not just in the Constitution, but in law and a lot of these ideas that are floating around about why we are the way we are, what's wrong, and how do you fix it. Well, if you don't go back to the beginning and make sure that initial assumption is correct— how do you know you're doing the right thing to get to the end that you want to find? If you're just joining us, we are speaking with Paul Engel, who is the founder of theconstitutionstudy.com. And Paul goes around the country and speaks on the Constitution. I just did one this past week in Idaho Falls. And you have a website, theconstitutionstudy.com. No, just constitutionstudy.com. Oh, no, the. Thank no you. The. Thank yes. you very much. Uh, just constitutionstudy.com. And you've got classes on there. You've got uh, books available. You've got T-shirts available. Yep. Uh, and, and I guess you have some classes, too. Yeah. So I, um, I actually have two sites. The main one, the Constitution Study. I do a weekly article, a podcast, a video where I'm looking at something that I can sink my teeth into. You know, it's, it's not a, a 500 word uh, article. It's 1,500, 2,000 words. I do a lot of reviews of uh, 
court opinions, legislation, and even topics like uh, uh, the third party doctrine or something like that. And it's all, all the information I share on there is there for people to use. It's this idea of I want it out in the, in the internet so people can find it, so they can use it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I sell books. Yes, I sell t-shirts. Uh, I set up another website where I do more of my classes called Constitution Scholars, people who want to become students hmm. of the Constitution. Okay, and that's, um, that's constitutionscholars.com. Yep. Then. And of course, you can okay. find that from the main website. That's like, like my entry point for everything. Okay. And uh, I have webinars that I've done that I've recorded. I've had in-person events that I do. And I have uh, some topics that I've already, you know, they're pre-canned. I've done them often enough. Sure. But I have a lot of places where they say, can you come talk to us about this topic. Lately, there's been a lot of talk about uh, election integrity and what does the Constitution say about about elections and how are they handled and who's supposed to do what? Because let's face it, the 435 members of the House, 100 members of the Senate, and the current resident, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, have no clue what the Constitution says about how this all works. They don't. And in fact, the other ones are the nine justices of the Supreme Court. <laughs> well, you know, I, it's interesting. So I'm going to uh, put you on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a issue with our last presidential election where we had some some people who were contesting the results of said election. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is that when you go to on January 6th to uh, count the uh, submitted ballots from the state, the electors. And you're going to gather them, the House and the Senate get together. And if there's a challenge, then there needs to be a challenge from the House and the Senate. And mm-hmm. if that is a, a, a if that is brought forth by a member of each House, the House and the Senate, then it's supposed to go into private discussion where they discuss it and then come back and vote yay or nay. You're close. It's that's actually U.S. law. There's nothing in the Constitution about that. Okay. All right. So what they say is yes, a member of the House, one member of the House, and one member of the Senate must submit in writing that they object. They don't explain why. They don't make an argument. We're just saying we object to um, to uh, we believe this certificate is invalid or we believe this vote is invalid. Then the two houses separate uh, when they, once they've got one from each side. They separate, they discuss it, they debate it, they vote separately. I believe it's if two-thirds of both houses agree that this is contested, then that certificate is basically thrown out, which creates a very interesting situation because that also changes the number of electors needed to win the presidency. Mm-hmm. Everybody focuses on the number 270, which is 50% plus one and of the electors from all the states, all the states right? and the District of Columbia. Right, because they got they got presidential electors, uh, but it's the number of electors appointed. If you decertify that, right. does that mean those electors were not properly appointed? So, so they're dropped out of the number of total. Yeah, it 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 depends on are they objecting to the way their vote was handled, or are they objecting to the electors themselves? So here's my here's my grief my gripe my grief, <laughs> pick a word. Um, you had in this last presidential election, you had somebody from the House, you had somebody from the Senate, both objected. Instead of breaking away and having independent discussions and then coming back, they simply voted on the spot. Do we agree or disagree? 
I watched that happen. Mm-hmm. And Vice President Pence was overseeing that procedure. And I was screaming at the television going, this is not in accordance with law. Am mm-hmm. I right or am I wrong? You are correct. If if for the same for the same certificate from a state, because right? we talk about the Electoral College, all the electors don't meet in one place. They all eat meet in their individual state. They have a certificate. If there is a objection from a member of the House and a member of the Senate in writing mm-hmm. right, from both, uh, then he's correct. You're correct. They were supposed to split up and debate it. There's so much misinformation about what the pre- the vice president, as a president said, can do in that situation. You probably remember that you know Trump thought that Pence could decide which certificates to follow and which significance to throw in the trash can. Nothing in the Constitution allows that. Um, yeah, I don't remember seeing that. That he was calling for Pence to do to say disregard these states because the states violated the Constitution in how they appointed the electors. Okay, so I thought he was uh, upset with Pence for not separating the the houses, the Senate and the House, to go debate the issue themselves. That may have been one of his complaints, but his initial complaint, or at least as I saw it reported in a lot of places, and then again, who knows if you can trust what you hear in, in reports was uh, even before the count, he was claiming he was told by his lawyers that Pence could uh, disregard certificates from states that did not follow the Constitution. And and I don't see that in the the law. But I do believe, and I thank you for confirming, I do believe that our our law was not followed, that they did not break up and do their separate discussions. There are at least five states where the method of appointing, the manner of appointing electors was modified either by the executive or judicial branch of that state. That is a violation of the Constitution. Those electors were not legitimately appointed because it was a violation of the Constitution, and that was never challenged. Now, what's interesting is at least the five states that I was aware of, if you remove those electors from the count, Biden would have still won by one elector. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. If you're just visiting with us, we are talking with Paul Engel from constitutionstudy.com, constitutionstudy.com. Paul Engel, you have online classes, you have online uh, books. Uh, You you said you mentioned the book several times. Tell me about your book. So I was driving home from a Bible study one night, and I'm listening to a podcast, and they were talking about a, a 2013 survey where they asked a thousand people to, among other things, name the five freedoms protected by the First Amendment. Now, the survey that was taken in 2013, 36% of them could not name a single freedom protected by the First Amendment. Needless to say, that got me a little agitated. And at one point I, I asked, I said, God, why don't we study the Constitution the way my friends and I just studied the Bible? And that was kind of like, that was the, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, Paul. That was reaching out saying, yeah, that's what I want you to do. Hmm. Uh, so I, through a long chain of events, I held a constitution study in my hometown. I then moved from upstate New York to Nashville, Tennessee. I don't have the same number of people. I can't get people together to have a constitution study. So I decided to write a book. And I started the website to track what I was learning as I was studying the constitution clause by clause and writing the book. So the book, which is also titled The Constitution Study, is a clause-by-clause study of the entire Declaration of Independence and Constitution. It's written in plain conversational English, Mm -hmm. which did not please my editor. 
Um, <laughs> but it's it big words, fancy words. I've used Webster's 1828 dictionary to define them. I use anecdotes, and it's all about taking what the words say, putting them into my own words, and then writing them down. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the start. I about three and a half years ago said. I had gotten laid off from my IT career and said, I think I want to do this for a while. And that's when I finished up the book and published it and it started expanding from there. Um, You know, I just want to say a lot of folks three years ago pivoted in their careers. mm -hmm. Uh, I did. I I moved from a a three-decade career as as an executive coach and corporate trainer uh, this past week, I interviewed Stu Peters. Maybe you've heard of him on the Stu Peters show. We had a sit down of a half an hour. He was a bounty hunter for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, God called him out of that. And yep. now he's got the Stu Peters show. Yeah. And, and you too. You say here, you're an IT guy for how many years? 30 years. And, and God calls you to start teaching on the Constitution. Absolutely. I went from working in Chile data centers to working in a home office with a microphone and a computer. I think God really had something in mind to start shifting some people's careers three years ago. Well, you know, it's, it's pretty funny because I agree with that. I've studied, uh, I've been a believer, a follower of Christ since, uh, let's see, it must be 1982. But it was about the last 25 years I started seriously reading and studying Scripture. And it's funny because the skills I learned in studying Scripture, uh, the Bereans, going back to the it's the exact same I use when I study the Constitution. Mm. It's the same I use when I study uh, any you know legal uh, outcomes, any judicial entries. And what started as a book as something for me to do to pass the time till I go back to my IT career has grown. I've got a, a my own radio program now in America Out Loud Talk Radio. Cool. Uh, it's uh, two p.m. Mountain Time, four p.m. Eastern Time every weekday. Basically, I'm looking at the world from, what does the Constitution say about this? Uh, and, and where is that found again? AmericaOutloud.com. AmericaOutloud.com. Yep. And Mountain Time, which is where we're at, is yep. 2 p.m.? It's 2 p.m. It's so also, you, you and I are going to conflict on Thursdays because my, my Keep the Republic TV show is 2 p.m. on Brighton. Well, the good news <laughs> is it also comes out in a podcast day or two afterwards. Oh, good. So there's a lot, you know, five days. in the, At first, I'm like, what am I going to talk about for five days a week? Now I find I'm throwing stories out because I can't get to them all. But it's been a lot of fun to get exposed and be pushed out to more and more people. And then I started, uh, about every year, I do a constitution study of my own online, where we all meet together online. I read a clause of the constitution, we discuss it, we debate it, and uh, they can find out more about that uh, at the constitution study as well. And this is so important that people understand this. And I love the quote that you showed me from John Jay. Every member of the state ought diligently to read and study the constitution of his country and teach the rising generation to be free. By knowing their rights, they will sooner perceive when they are violated and be better prepared to defend and assert them. This is from John Jay, our nation's first chief justice, telling us We all should study. Everybody should study the Constitution. And Paul Engel is helping us to do this with his website, constitutionstudyonline.com. I love it. You know, it's interesting. I'm often asked, I see a problem. What do I do? I always get those questions when I do these talks. And it's like, you start by understanding the rule book, the employee manual for all those people we hire in the Congress and then you can judge, are they doing a good job? It's funny that, you know, 200 plus years ago, there's John Jay saying, yep, 
This is what you'll need. Do that. You'll know your rights and you'll be prepared. You won't be caught flat footed when it's time to defend your rights. I have the honor each month of being a guest on Alan Key's talk show, mm -hmm. um, which is Let's Talk America, also on TV. And I'm going to say maybe last year, year and a half ago, we were talking about the Constitution. And he said, I love his analogy, he said the Constitution is like a cage because mankind is sinful and wants to accumulate power as much as possible and reach out and take power and grab power. But the Constitution acts like a cage to constrain that. And uh, I, I loved that analogy. And then you mentioned earlier, you alluded to it, the writings of uh, uh, Locke and Montesquieu, where you separate the powers because mankind is sinful. Mm -hmm. Everything was aligned with uh, you know, King George. He had too much control and he became a tyrant. And we said, you know what? We don't want all that. We don't want the tyrant. Let's go over here. And they created the Articles of Confederation. That was a little bit too loose, too much chaos. They had to come back and find the happy middle. And they did with our Constitution. And we've been arguing about that middle ever since. If you think about it, you but know. It's like a teeter-totter. Yes. In fact, when I give presentations on this, I have actually a picture of a teeter-totter. It's, it's always, you got to be working to keep it balanced. Yep. You know, all the way back to... Uh, when John Adams won election, he was a federalist. He believed in a strong central government. His vice president was Thomas Jefferson, who believed in constraining that government, putting its shackles on it to continue the cage metaphor. The problem we have is it was expected that the people would oversee keeping them constrained. And we haven't done the job. No, we've you dropped know, the ball. We have three branches of government. No, they are not equal. But we have three branches of government. The most powerful is the one that represents the people and the states. And then we simply say, okay, we're going to elect you and you're going to serve us for a while and you go do it. And we kind of like wind them up, let them go, and then moan and complain when they don't do what we want them to do. And that's why we do this show, hmm. is we want to educate people. That's why it's called Keep the Republic, because it is a balancing act. Mm -hmm. And it needs us to be diligent and we need to be informed. So we got about a minute left. Um, if you're talking to an audience of people who've not been to your site before or have not, not studied the Constitution before, just in the closing minute, what would you have to say to them? That we've been, we've been informed that the Constitution is this big, scary document, that there's no way you can understand it. And I have tools that, I've, that will help you read it, understand it from the very beginning. I created the, I took the Constitution, I made a daily devotional out of it. For people who don't want to sit down and read the whole thing. I even set up on my website, I call it the planning wizard. So you go to constitutionstudy.com, look at uh, wizard. You answer a few questions and it'll make suggestions. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? Because if we want to be free, if we want to enjoy the blessings of liberty that the Constitution was designed to give us, we have to do the work. Yes. We can't, we can't sit around and expect other people to do it for us. And once you realize that all the power doesn't exist in Washington and that you have the power, it's a, it's a tremendously freeing of time. And, and it is our job to do so. It, it really is our job. It is a bottom-up government of and by the people so that it can be for the people. Paul Engel of the Constitution Studies, constitutionstudy.com. Thanks for joining me in studio. Thank you very much. It was a great pleasure. You are listening to Keep the Republic. Dr. Daniel Bobinski here. 
You can also uh, follow my work at uh, True Idaho News, trueidahonews.com, and our new website, which acts as a congreg- uh, an aggregator for all my TV and my radio shows, and that is keeptherepublic.us. Keeptherepublic.us. Daniel Bobinski here. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Until then, be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to Keep the Republic. If you'd like to support this broadcast and fund Christian conservative candidates, visit conservativesof.com. And for your real estate needs, connect with Carmen Glancy with Homes of Idaho. Also, please pray for our republic and for godly men and women who will work to keep it.